Mike Norvell, Florida State head coach. That was Saturday night. So imagine how spicy he was a Sunday afternoon when he got to put together that statement that was sent out after Florida State was screwed out of the college football playoff by the committee. We'll get into that in just a minute. Coming up top of the hour, Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaConfora. We talked to him about everything we saw in week 13 and some look ahead to week 14 as well. In 20 minutes, we have thoughts, lots of thoughts, about Big Dom DeSandro, Philly's head of security, and his altercation with Dre Greenlaw on the sideline. And thoughts about Eagles Niners, just in general as well, after San Francisco dominates Philly in Philly, 42 to 19. And we will talk about the college football semifinal matchups that exist as they are in a couple minutes here. But let's start with the college football playoff committee, guys. And Florida State being left out at number five. Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Alabama four, all four conference champs. Two of them undefeated, two of them with one loss each, one of those losses being to the other guy, uh, a spot ahead of them. But Florida State, an undefeated conference champ, they beat Louisville Saturday night to complete a 13-0 season, left out. Um, In my opinion, this is, well, first of all, we're never going to have to deal with this again because we're going to have 12 teams starting next year. Yeah. (laughs) And... You know, I I thought it was a really good point made by Paul Feinbaum this morning when he said, hey, if not for the ACC commissioner and his brethren putting up a fight against expanding the playoff early, we'd have 12 teams this year and Florida State would be one of them. They'd be playing Liberty in in a home game as well in Tallahassee in two weeks. But we're not. Fair point. Fairer point. This just tells us that even when we expand to 12 teams, subjectivity is more important than objectivity in the minds of the college football playoff committee. They looked at a team and said, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're good. 13 and 0 conference champs, power five. Well, yeah, that's awesome. But their quarterbacks hurt, and that might make them worse. It might. might it, you could look at the last two weeks and say, yeah, their offense, not as good. But you don't know what the hell's going to happen when they get out on a field against Michigan. And by the way, I know it's a TV product. And this whole thing is about getting people to turn on their televisions on New Year's Day at 5 o'clock for the Rose Bowl in the East. And the game after that, the Sugar Bowl. We want people to tune in and get some great matchups, right? We don't want another TCU waltzing in and getting slaughtered. But don't forget, TCU beat Michigan last year. They shocked everybody. Everybody thought they were a sham. They were a fraud. The, 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 the horned frauds, as my good buddy RJ Choppy from Dallas likes to call them. But they won a semifinal game because you don't know what's going to happen when the game gets played. You would have had the entire country outside of Ann Arbor and the immediate Detroit metro area tuning in, cheering for the Seminoles to beat Michigan, to upset Michigan in a national semifinal in the Rose Bowl. The ratings would have been off the charts. Everybody would have talked about it for the next three weeks, but instead, okay, Bama, Michigan, great, Blue Blood City. It'll be fun, I guess, Bama and the Rose Bowl. But you left out an undefeated conference champ. Ed, subjectivity over objectivity? I know Professor Egros cannot be a fan of this. I'll tell you what I'm not a fan of. There's been a lot of rhetoric just strewn about this whole weekend. 
right? Like we're hearing arguments under the sun as to why maybe Alabama should have gone in or Texas should have been left out or some random team or whatever. First off, if I may take a real quick victory lap, I did say on Twitter, Florida State plus 340 not to make the playoffs was a good bet. Certainly it cashed. So I hope you guys are following all of us because uh, every now and again, you know, squirrel finds it's not all that good stuff. But here's the thing, though. When I look at what happened yesterday, yes, it, it is blatantly unfair to Florida State for what happened. At the same time, I think one of the things that we need to be careful of is this notion that the committee can hand out certain ideas, certain rules and trends, things like that. And they are to stand the test of time that whatever trend we want to extrapolate from rankings, that that is going to be what stands the test of time going forward, that it's all about the four best resumes, or it's about the four best teams, or it's about something Mm -hmm. else. That's never going to be the case. It's never going to be the case when we get to a 12 team playoff. It's it never has been the case and it never will be as long as there is a committee as long as there exists a group of people who are deciding these things for us instead of something that is a little bit more structured and a little bit more objective, like you see in every other sport, then there is nothing to extrapolate. And I think this is one of the dangers releasing rankings every single week by the committee is that we start to parse and take away ideas and go, okay, the committee is telling us this. No, they're not. They never have, and they never will. There is nothing consistent about what they have done. So when we're looking at Florida State being unbeaten going forward, my question was always, okay, it's unfair to say that Florida State and Jordan Travis is going to be that much worse because we don't know yet. Well, after Mm -hmm. watching those last couple of games, I do think they were significantly worse. And is it unfair to them? Probably. It probably is. But at the same time, I'm also one who believes that head-to-head shouldn't matter nearly as much as what we were saying over the weekend. Because Alabama was playing in a better conference. They are a better team now. Texas, they've, you know, they've still played very well, but they've slipped a little bit. I think Alabama's better than Texas. And if they have a rematch, I think Alabama wins that ball game. But it doesn't matter what I yeah. think. What matters is that this mercurial approach to picking teams to make the playoff It has always been the case, even prior to the BCS, when it was all about jockeying for position and politics and all that stuff. This is the history of college football, and nothing is going to change going forward, Aaron. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Like, is it fair about FSU doubt? I mean, their quarterback suffered an injury, um, probably not playing in the most exciting conference. It's just, I think the thing that's frustrating and annoying to me is, you know, they say the best team should be in, but they also kind of show us that winning is secondary sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, there's no black and white here. And I think, you know, that's because it's being left up to humans and their decisions. So it's frustrating, but I'm with you. Like in terms of Alabama, they've been playing well. I was on the money line. So I feel a bit conflicted because a part of me did think Alabama should be in. So I guess they mm-hmm. did the right thing at the end of the day. Um, but I think it's just tough the way it's set up and I, and you're and it does date back to, you know, I think there's a lot of bias when it comes to the sec and ESPN's relationship with them and ratings mm-hmm. and money. I mean, there's so much that goes on, you know, behind the scenes as well. 
Yeah, I, I just I can't get over the concept, like I said, of subjectivity reigning out over objectivity because the idea of an undefeated college football team from a Power Five conference not having an opportunity to play for the national championship is why we. You made a great point, Ed. Like th- this is this is what we've done as college football fans. It's what college football fans have been doing before we were even around, before any of us were born. College football fans argued. Some years you had a clear number one. Some years you didn't. And so you'd sit there and argue about who was supposed to be number one. The reason I became a Penn State fan in 1994 was because they got jobbed out of the national title by Tom Osborne and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. An undefeated team didn't get a chance to prove itself on the field for the national championship. And that's the problem I have here. You can't predict what Florida State would have looked like against Michigan. Maybe it would have been a disaster. Maybe the entire country would have been done watching after the first quarter. It would have been 21-0, and we all would have taken a little nap before the Sugar Bowl started. Entirely possible. But there's also a reason you play the games. For years, we didn't think that a second or third wildcard team in the NFL could go on a run and win a Super Bowl. Ah, they're just a wild card. It won't happen. Then you had Jerome Bettis in Detroit. You had uh, you had uh, David Tyree in a helmet catch, beating the 17-0, nearly 17-0 New England Patriots. We play the games for a reason. And, and things like what we do, gambling, are unpredictable for a reason. It's why we love this so much. Because as much as we try to figure out what's going to happen, we think we know. In the end, nobody knows nothing until they go out and play the game. And so it's hard for me to say undefeated team, won your conference, power five conference, you won your conference, but you're probably not as good now that your quarterbacks hurt. So eh, go play, go, go play a bowl game against Georgia. You kids will still have fun. You'll get a goodie bag. It's okay. You'll still get to practice more. Your coaches will get to recruit. It's all right. It's okay. So I understand Bama's a better team right now than Florida State. Like that much I don't think can be argued. But If you look at the results over the last 14 weeks, Florida State deserves the shot more than Bama, who lost the game. I don't know. I'm getting all riled up. I'm sorry. But, like, (laughs) no, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, like, let's talk about Georgia for a second, right? Like, Georgia's ranked number six. Like, I think they could probably beat half this field, right? Like, if somehow Georgia Mm -hmm. snuck into the top four, we probably would have an Alabama-Georgia rematch. Right, right. Is but, that but what we're okay we want, with them is not being in the it? Right, because yeah, they lost. We are because the resume. So yes, they lost. And so if there are three teams that are undefeated, it shouldn't be hard to say in a four-team playoff system, those three go in, and then we grab mm-hmm. the one that now we want to be subjective and we want to we want to tell the, the entire country who we think is the best, next best team. Yeah, we'll tell you who the next best team is, but you got to take the three undefeated. You're right. Georgia is Georgia is still probably the best team in the country, Ed. Look at what they've done over Georgia, the last Georgia, Michigan. I would have liked right? to see that. Would have been a great sure. game. But Georgia That's lost with the season on the line, basically. They they knew what, what was up for grabs Saturday night in Atlanta, and they lost. So now mm-hmm. we get in our uh, two CFP semifinals on New Year's Day, Number one, Michigan favored by two and a half against number four, Bama. Total only 45 and a half in that one. So we expect defense, rightly so, with those two teams to rule the day. And then the nightcap in the Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas laying four and a half against number two, Washington. 62 and a half point total. The the, the under the radar story of college football this weekend might be 
Washington's tired of being doubted, Ed. Washington's legit, mm-hmm. and they're still being doubted to the tune of four and a half. It, it, it was quite the shocker on Friday night, I thought, that Oregon was clearly the better team coming in. Offense, defense, special, pretty much everything. And Washington had no problem dismantling him where there this outcome was really never in doubt. Like Michael Penix Jr. looked fantastic out there. The defense was able to contain Bo Nix fairly well. It was one of those deals where it was such a shocking outcome that you wonder when it comes to Washington, are they the quintessential example this college football season of a team playing down to competition but still finds ways to win? I think after a big game, I understand it because you're dealing with young men and emotional arcs and all that stuff can be a little bit tricky to decipher. And certainly the physicality of a really big game will leave you worn down the following week. But the fact that this was happening week after week after week to the Huskies, you couldn't help but understand why the ratings were so much poorer uh, in terms of overall power numbers than Oregon and all these other great teams. So that being said, I understand where the spread is. At the same time, I am curious when it comes to Texas's offense, like they did some really creative things in that Big 12 title game. Can they continue to do so? Yeah, I know you have a month to prepare, but then you only have a week after that for the national championship game. Like how creative can this offense really get? And can Washington keep up? To me, the number is a little too big upon first inspection. Maybe it's subject to change on my behalf as far as my opinion goes, Aaron. But I do think Washington can cover this number. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I also love the Sark uh, storyline as well. I covered the Huskies yeah. when he was there, giving him a lot of time to prepare. And plus, Texas has the confidence of beating Alabama, too. Yeah. So earlier, obviously, this year, but... You know, they've been battle tested this season. So I think this is just going to be a great matchup. I'm looking forward to this and Alabama, Michigan. Yeah, they they do. Look, we'll get, I'll give the committee credit for this much. They're giving us two really good matchups on new year's day Mm -hmm. and Mm something two really good games worth talking about for the next couple of weeks. Definitely. We got to talk about in BetQL court, big Dom Eagles head of security (laughs) <laughs> gets Dre Greenlaw kicked out of the game. How did this happen? Jason Lockenfora joins us in 20 minutes, and we continue to unpack week 13 of the NFL all morning long, plus NBA midseason quarterfinals tonight as well. So much to get to on BetQL Daily.